Amen. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of First Thessalonians, chapter 4. We are going to begin a uh, new series in the adult Bible class today. And the title of this is Pleasing God. Pleasing God. I want to get uh, some scriptures, if I could. Uh, Tom is going to read our, our main verse, which is 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Don Galati, please read for me John 19, verse uh, uh, 30. Uh, Mac McCarty, can you read for me Romans 5, 1. Romans 5, 1, please. Uh, uh, Jeff, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Gary Basham, Romans 5, 2, uh, where are we at? Ryan Singleton, 1 John 3, 7, Mick Woodcock, James 2, 20, uh, David Sanchez, Mark 10, 14, Casey, Romans 8, 8, um, see where we're at here, Stephen, Hebrews 12, 16, Al Herman, Zechariah 1, 2. A few more. Reese, read for me. Uh, Genesis 38, uh, 10. For the moment, we'll, we'll get some more in a moment. Pleasing God. I want to, by way of introduction, I'm going to read a quote from uh, R.C. Sproul. He's a Bible scholar. He said, I once read the following definition of a fanatic. He said, the fanatic is a person who, having lost sight of his goal, redoubles his effort to get there. The fanatic runs around frantically getting nowhere. He's a basketball player without a basket, tennis player without a net, golfer without a green. For a Christian to make progress in learning to please God... He must have a clear idea of what his goal is. And that is uh, very uh, profound words. One of the uh, areas that uh, Christians can be confused uh, uh, about is the idea of pleasing God. Pleasing God. We have two extremes, uh, both of which are incorrect. One is the idea of the person who says it doesn't matter how you live, what you do, uh, uh, you are pleased and God will always be pleased you, and so it doesn't matter. On the other hand, then you have uh, people who they are tormented by fear in serving God, constantly wondering, maybe God's not happy with me. And both of those are incorrect. Uh, but the Bible uses several terms that are the basis of our uh, series, what we're going to look at. You can study this for yourself, do your own research, and then we will be looking at some of these uh, uh, terms in the Bible. And that is, please, pleased, and pleasing God. So the Bible has a, a lot to say about how to please God. And so our study is going to focus on these different scriptures so we clearly understand how to please God. We'll be looking at the individual uh, uh, passages as they explain themselves in uh, pleasing God. We're going to uh, have a foundation today. Our foundation will just simply lay out the principle of pleasing God. Okay, let's get our main verse. This will actually be our launching scripture each, each week. That is 1 Thessalonians 4.1. Finally, then, brethren, we urge and exalt that you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Okay. Uh, you received, in other words, I taught you how to walk and to please God. This is not nebulous. It's not something that uh, is mysterious that you don't understand. He is talking. And he says, I, I taught you some things of how to please God. So, in other words, this is understandable. Okay, let's look as we begin our lesson today. Let's talk about the foundation of grace. I have to lay this foundation because if you don't, 
This is the uh, the foundation of all salvation. And if you don't keep this at the back of your mind, this must be underlying. It, it would be very easy to take some of the lessons that we're going to look at and uh, make it an endless uh, hamster on a wheel uh, trying to, through human effort, uh, please God. So we have to have a correct idea of salvation. We understand, we believe biblically, we believe in our church that salvation is by faith. How many of you agree with that? In other words, salvation does not come by uh, uh, human actions, human efforts. It is not earned. You do not uh, receive salvation because you have earned it or you deserve it. It is by faith believing in the work of Jesus Christ. And a very important phrase, if you are going to understand salvation by faith, is this phrase, the finished work of Jesus Christ. The finished work. The difference between Protestants and Catholics. We are Protestants. We are not Catholic. I hope you understand this. The fundamental difference between a Catholic and a Protestant would be based on two words. It is either do, what do you do to get salvation, or done, do you believe that it is finished? A Catholic is one who believes it is something that you do. It's the seven sacraments. If you will have a day communion, confession, all the other, uh, other things, then you can do something. A Protestant does not believe that. A Protestant believes in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that it is something that is done, and by faith we believe in this finished work. Uh, John 19, verse 30. Jesus said to one, that it is finished. Okay, Jesus said, it is finished. My work, the work of salvation, it is finished. He didn't say, I started it and now you do the rest. It is finished and that is foundational in, in all of uh, uh, salvation. And so the Bible uh, speaks, uh, the, the term that is used in connection with uh, uh, salvation is this thought of justification. And justification comes by Faith. Somebody tell me, give me a working definition of what justification means. That's a big Bible word. What does that mean? Justification. John? Okay, it is just as if we had never sinned. So here is the finished work of Jesus Christ. He who never sinned, we're the ones who sinned, is that he lived a sinless life and died in our place. And so the Bible is speaking that we can be justified. In other words, God will accept the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Romans 5, verse 1. Okay, this is the foundation of salvation. He says, you were justified, not because you went to confession, not because you took the sacrament. You were justified by faith. You believe in Jesus uh, 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 finished work and uh, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed or in other words credited to our account God looks our account we are bankrupt we are sinful but here's this miracle that is uh, hard to grasp is Jesus died in our place if you believe that and you act on the uh, uh, that by faith the Bible says God will credit Jesus' righteousness to your account as though we had never sinned. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay, it is by grace, it is undeserved that we're saved. And how did you get this salvation? By faith. You believed that Jesus Christ uh, uh uh, died for you. And the Bible says clearly it is not of yourselves. It is not of your works. It is not clean up your act first. Uh, it is not impress God with all your good deeds. The Bible said it is absolutely not of what you do. 
It is by faith and in, in the work of Jesus Christ. It's a gift. Okay. That being said, this brings us to the understanding, and I have to lay this foundation before we get into pleasing God. This brings us to the understanding of what is called positional righteousness. This is a, a big term, theological term. All that simply means is that if you've been, if you believe in the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work, when you are justified, this puts you in a position or gives us a position of right standing and acceptance with God. Romans 5, verse 2. And also we have access by faith to this grace where we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Okay, so it, it, it's a whole bunch of ideas here, but the Bible says we have access. You, you know that uh, uh, the effect of sin in the, uh, in the Old Testament is clearly spelled out is that sin cuts us off from God. Adam and Eve were sent away from the presence of God. An angel kept them. Your sin cuts you off from God. This was the whole understanding of the tabernacle and the temple was that sinful people could not enter into the presence of God, only the high priest and once a year. And there was this idea of separation. So the Bible speaks about access that we have uh, uh, by faith, you believing in what Jesus did, this gives us faith, but this is the key word, I have it underlined on the screen, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So this is now talking about a position of acceptance. There are people here that are at different levels. Some of you are brand new converts. You have just gotten saved. You don't understand a lot. You are there. You are in this place. You have a position of acceptance with God. Some of you have been saved for 40 years. You are in this position or place of acceptance uh, uh, with God. And that being said, there is a, 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 to a certain degree that our actions don't change our position. I want to qualify that in a minute because I have to, but... Our actions don't change our position. Now, what I mean by that is the mistake that people make is that even though they are saved, they still have the idea that I have to earn God's love. In other words, they believe that their actions change their position of acceptance or of, of God's love for them. In other words, I come to church, I read my Bible, I even tithe or give money, so therefore now God must really love me. And the converse is true. I didn't read my Bible for several days in a row, uh, didn't, you know, overslept, didn't come to prayer, so now God doesn't love me anymore or doesn't love me as much. And so this is, this is a very incorrect uh, uh, understanding. And so the reason why we have to emphasize this is there are people who don't understand or grasp God's love. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes and he says, my prayer for you, what you desperately need is to understand how much God loves you. This may be because of their past uh, uh, relationship with uh, uh, authority. This may be people who have, uh, uh, they're still struggling in, in uh, certain uh, character issues. And so they mistakenly live in the fear that their position, their access to God is every day in danger. That in some way they're going to live in fear that God is going to say, that's it, you, uh, you, you, you are no longer going to be in a position of uh, righteousness or a, or a place of, of access. Okay, so we have to lay this foundation because I'm going to say some things in a minute that will seem to go against that. Truth must be held in tension. That means there are opposite truths in the Bible that are both true at the same time. Grace and works at the same time. Okay? And so we have to lay this foundation so you don't come away from this series saying, yep, it's all works and, uh, and my uh, position is uh, in danger every day. Now, 
How many of you know everything that I just said? How many of you know that what I just said uh, is, uh, I don't know if the right word is dangerous, but there are people who take everything I just said to an extreme. What is the extreme that is taken? Salvation by faith, it's not of works, etc. So what is the extreme that is taken, Heath? I would say that you can do whatever you want, but God still loves you. One would be you can do whatever you want, and it, and it makes no change of any kind. That's true. What would be another one? Betty? I'm afraid. Once saved, always saved. Okay. All right. That goes, that, that's a, that is formalizing a, uh, a belief of what Heath just said. This is the idea of eternal security or once saved, always saved. It doesn't matter. Once you say a prayer, you're accepted in the family. It can never be changed. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter what you do. What, Matt? And also, you can take it, it doesn't matter what you do, it's not going to make a difference, you know, in, in pleasing God, you know, putting forth effort, you know, in the kingdom of God isn't going to change anything because, you know, it's not going to change anything. Okay, so there's there's two sides. Is That was convoluted, but uh, if you saw him in the drama last night, it makes sense. Okay. So what Heath and Betty are saying is on the one side, the extreme of people who take uh, uh, salvation by faith, justification by faith, and grace to an extreme it was not intended is it makes no difference how I live. In other words, I shouldn't even bother trying to uh, uh, live righteously or, or uh, deal with my sin because it doesn't matter. What Matt is saying, on the other hand, is that uh, uh, making any sort of effort in salvation is also unnecessary because you're there and it can, it doesn't make any difference in your life. Okay, we're going to hit this quickly. There has to be an outworking. So I said to you that you believe in the work of Jesus Christ. You are in a position of right. That's positional righteousness. That must work out or flow out in your life. If what you have is real, then it must produce a practical righteousness. Some people call this experiential righteousness, or in other words, salvation that is real in the heart, it will change conduct. It must. And so this is the problem that I have had over the years, is that I never meet people, well, once saved, always saved, I never meet people who, on quick examination of their life, that there's any evidence of salvation. They live just like other people who are not saved. And they're, they're clean. It doesn't, that's, and they, it's always said as to, when you're challenging them, why are you still drinking, smoking, taking drugs, fornicating, living with your girlfriend? Well, once saved, always saved. It's always in this. It doesn't matter. But the Bible speaks and says we do not... Earn, we do not work for salvation, but what it says is if what you have is real, it will produce altered conduct, conduct or practical righteousness. 1 John 3, verse 7. Okay, so this is simple logic. He says, he was actually dealing with people who were taking the truth of grace to an extreme that it was not meant to go. As Paul says, is people who say, hey, uh, uh, because we have grace, uh, shall we sin that grace may abound? This would be a good thing. This gives God a greater chance to demonstrate his grace. See, that's faulty. John is writing to the same. He's dealing with people. They're taking it to an extreme. And he says, wait, 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 don't kid yourselves. He who practices righteousness, and others who acts righteously, is righteous. In other words, what is in the heart produces a change of life. In other words, it demonstrates validity. You can read in the first book of 1 John, he develops this further. The whole argument is, if you say that you have righteousness in the heart, and it doesn't produce anything, then... What you say you have in your heart, it isn't real. It is not that I quit smoking, I quit drinking, I cleaned up my act, so now God accepts me and I'm saved. Absolutely not. 
we are saved by faith. And if that is real, it produces something. James 2, verse 20. Okay, faith without works. He is uh, now in James. James is giving the argument. This is the two, as uh, some theologians describe it, this is both oars in the water at the same time. If you have only works, you're going in a circle. If you have only faith, you're going in a circle. But he says here, and he says, this, this works out. You have faith, which is the foundation, but he says faith is demonstrated by works. If you read in the book of James, he says that Abraham, the Bible says he believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. That's the believing. But he also says that he sacrificed or was willing to sacrifice Isaac. That was a demonstration that what was in his heart was real. Okay, so we have this foundation. You with me so far? This is very important that we have that before we can go into pleasing God. Okay, we're going to open for questions. Does that bring up any questions or comments so far? Making sure. Patsy? Yeah. Yeah. So she's saying this. This is common, and I'm sure all of us have stories like this. Is that the lady is um, um, saved, uh, but uh, she's living living in sin, fornicating with her boyfriend. But uh, the moment you challenge, hey, don't you're judging me, right? But th- this is simple. Years ago, being the band, we would uh, uh, travel around uh, playing. This is when we were living in Australia. And uh, I was uh, the drummer in those days. And I remember this kid came up to me one day. saw the drum kid. He goes, you a drummer? He goes, I'm a drummer. He goes, oh, man, I'm, I'm almost professional level. I'm, I'm good. I'm like, really? Oh, that's that's good. And and so after a while, at the end, he said, you know, hey, can I uh, sit in the drums? I said, sure. I mean, he just told me he's a professional drummer. That's what he's professing. And he said, oh, yeah, I got a drum set at home as well. It's a really nice kid. He goes, it has one of these, uh, uh, what do you call this drum here? That's that's a snare. Yeah, yeah, and it's got one of the what is this thing on the bottom? That's a the kick drum. I said, wait, wait, hold on a minute. Hold on, you are saying something, and so I know it's very rude, but I made a quick judgment. You're not a drummer at all, right? Because the evidence was not there. Even though the drums were called, much less could he play them. That is what the Bible is speaking. The evidence, if he truly was a drummer, there would be some evidence of that in his life, right? Okay, that is the the uh, salvation by faith produces evidence. That's the uh, that's the point. So over there, Jenny. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yep, that's true in marriage. Is a profession of love has to be demonstrated. That's that's true. Okay, let's talk secondly now. I want to, having laid that foundation, so we understand it is it is by uh, faith. Let's talk about displeasing God. In the Bible. The Bible gives us the principle, it is possible to be a believer. You are saved. Okay, you have made some profession. You're on your way to heaven, but you can displease God. Whereas you are in the family of God, but God is not pleased with some aspect of your attitude or your action. Okay, we have to examine this. We're we're actually going to focus on pleasing God, but... You don't understand pleasing God if you don't, unless you understand the fact that it's possible to displease God. Look at Mark 10, 14. Okay, now these are his disciples. They are believers, 
they are on their way to heaven, but the Bible says very clearly their attitude towards other people. The Bible says these words, he was greatly displeased. Jesus, God in the flesh, says, I'm, I'm not happy with your attitude. You're treating uh, uh, insignificant. That's the children of this case. The way you're treating insignificant people, that is not pleasing to me. I don't like that. He's not saying you're going to hell this afternoon. But he's saying there's something in, in you that I'm not happy with this. Okay, think about that. Chew on that for a minute. Romans 8, verse 8. <clears throat> so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So this is, you use a little bit of logic. So people who are in the flesh displease God. That's what that is saying. All right. So what does that mean? So people who are in the flesh, what does it mean to be in the flesh? In the flesh. What would that mean? Gary? Letting your flesh control uh, your way of thinking. Yeah, David? Okay, living according to human nature and your feelings. Yeah, that could be true. Somebody else, Vanessa? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that can be is, is uh, of the world system or the world's values. Yes. So what it's talking about is the, the flesh is, is that part of us that is unregenerate. You can be saved. Every person who is saved, there is still a part of us called the flesh that will never be saved, will never love God or the things of God and is uh, in us at the same time. So someone who's in the flesh... The direction of their uh, uh, lives is toward the flesh or unregenerate man, the world, as Vanessa says, the world system. What they love is everything of the world, everything that is against God. That is, so therefore, their appetites, this is, this is what they have an appetite is for the things of the world or the flesh, and their decisions are dominated by the love for money, the love for power, popularity, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so they are dominated, their decisions, and God says that kind of person is not pleasing to God. Casey. Uh, We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. We're, we're getting there. So, yeah. So, displeased means displeased. He's not happy. Uh, that's, that's what it means. Hebrews 12, 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Okay. Now the Bible even names someone. Esau was born into uh, uh, the, the family of God, uh, if you will. God holds him up now in the book of Hebrews in New Testament times as an example that this is not pleasing to God. Someone who despises God's gift or his calling in their life and they would sell out for something cheap. He says that I don't want you to be like that. Profane, without value is uh, what that is talking about. Zechariah 1 verse uh, 2. All right, this is Old Testament. Uh, the prophet is speaking and says, The Lord has been displeased, not with sinners in the world, with God's people. God is not impressed. Genesis 38, 10. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, therefore he killed him also. There's a happy scripture, is that uh, God was uh, displeased to the point of killing him, and obviously is Old Testament extreme in order to uh, make a point. Okay, let me ask a question before we, uh, before I uh, give you some scriptural answers to this. So, what I just said is, it is possible that God could be displeased with us. What would be the results in our lives if God is displeased? Remember, this is not a matter of every day 
I forgot to read my Bible, and so God has said, you are going to hell by this afternoon. That's it, you're finished. You have a position, but the Bible says it's possible that God would be displeased. If God is displeased, how would that affect our lives? What would be the outflow? Uh, Rob? Judgment? <laughs> okay, just getting right to it, okay? <laughs> Sis, what do you think? He, okay, very good. Very good. You're thinking biblically. I like that. Okay, chastisement. Yeah, the Bible uses this like, like a, a parent would discipline a child. Very good. Casey? Yeah, that's what you probably didn't hear her. That's what she said. Yep, that's true. Blocks your blessing. Yep. Good, fellas. Yes, he will allow you to suffer consequences. That could be true. Go ahead, Sister Mazon. Okay, there'd be a lack. Yep. I, I probably would lump that under blessing, but yes, that is true. And ministry. Go ahead, Dave. Okay. Okay, that, that can be true, is that people don't think straight. That's a very good point. He's, he's talking about uh, people. That, 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 and there may be more, obviously. You're, you're bringing up even more than I, would, than I came up with, but that's good. Very good. Twister? You're going to be very uncomfortable. Okay. So like okay, you'll be uncomfortable. There'll be conviction in your life. Yep. Dennis? Okay, that can be. It can produce a feeling of distance. That may be. Go ahead. Your prayers will be hindered. So. Yep. Prayers will be hindered. Yep, that'd be true. Wayne. The battle of the mind is really huge, and you will use to judge. One point that triggers that is when you give up on that battle of the mind. Okay. All right. So let me let me just ask you a question. Let's 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 get a little a little deeper here. Uh, somebody here went straight to the judgment uh, part, and and he's talking about judgment. So so what does that mean in your mind then? So if you're displeasing God biblically, you say somebody quickly he's going to judge you. So what does that mean? He's throwing again. I'm challenging your thinking. Does that mean he's throwing you into hell today? So what does that mean? God's going to judge you then. Who was it who said it was going to be judgment? Who was our judger over here? <laughs> oh, Rob, Rob, okay. <laughs> Rob, explain to me. What is, what, so what's the judgment going to be? Okay. All right. So that uh, that that seems to me to be an active uh, uh, allowance of uh, consequences. And, and as somebody said, yeah. All right. It doesn't shield us from consequences. That'd be true. Somebody else, Vicky. Okay. Okay, hold that, man. I'm gonna. Uh, I'll give you a chance in just a second. Let me get some more scriptures here. Uh, if you haven't read, Phil is gonna read James four six. Woody's gonna read Mark eleven twenty four through twenty six. Heath, uh, Hebrews eleven six. Uh, Stephen, Hebrews twelve five and six. Uh, who else wants to read? John Kern, uh, Revelations three nineteen. Uh, uh, Dennis, First Corinthians three eleven through 15 over here. Uh, where are we at? First Corinthians 10.5. Is that Joel? You have your hand up. First Corinthians 10.5. Okay. Uh, and then Matt, what were you going to say? Displeasing God, you, one of the part of the judgment is you go no further like the children of Israel. They displease God in their actions and they continue to go around and around in circles, not advancing. Not okay. So progress would be blocked. That, that would be true. Okay. Let's think uh, uh, about a number of areas. And obviously, uh, some of what you're saying is also additional to this. Okay, 
Number one, as somebody correctly pointed out, your blessing is blocked. In other words, God will not help people or his help is limited in some ways for people who are displeasing him. James 4, verse 6, some of you quoted this. God gives us even more grace, as the scripture said. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Okay, God resists. Literally, he opposes, he stands against. Uh, uh, somebody talked about prayer. Prayer, we need God's help, and the Bible says, here is an example, pride is displeasing to God, and the Bible says that God will resist. He will not help, or his help is going to be restricted. That is a result of displeasing God. Mark 11, 24 through 26. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Okay, Jesus is trying to challenge them in the positive. You have... Uh, uh, you have obstacles or problems in your life. A mountain was an ancient way of saying, what is your biggest problem in life? That's your mountain. He's saying, listen, God can do miracles for you. You could say to your mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. God will absolutely do miracles. Now, connected with that, he says, and if you have ought, you have anything against someone, you have resentment or anger, the Bible says you need to forgive your father forgive, but if you won't, then your father in heaven will not forgive. And the obvious connection here is uh, is is not uh, uh, salvation so much, but he is talking about: Is God going to do a miracle for you or not? And so he says it is possible that our lives, our conduct, our attitudes are displeasing to where he says, in this case, bitterness. Resentment held on to will stop. God will not help. Hebrews 11, 6. Okay, without faith, it is impossible to please God. There, there's something about this. Labor on its own does not... Uh, uh, cause God's uh, uh, favor, and unbelief is actually displeasing. He does not like it. I've I've uh, cataloged over the years in in uh, uh, people who are going to pastor, they're going to pioneer a church, and they're going to spend all of their conversation, all their time, thinking of reasons why it won't work here, telling other people, telling God why it won't work here, and then they go on outreach. And God says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. You have no faith. I, no, I won't help that. I won't bless that. Okay, so number one, blessing is blocked. Number two, some of you brought this out. Scripturally, the Bible says God may have to discipline us. Please notice in these, uh, the first three things I'm talking about, this is not your salvation that is at stake. Ultimately, of course, it, it could become this. But this is not a matter of every moment you wake up, you're teetering on, am I going to be thrown in hell today? Okay? That's the, the people who uh, espouse grace to an extreme, they understand that it's incorrect to always be in fear of your salvation. That is true, but they have to recognize biblically that you can displease God. Okay, God may have to discipline us. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. Okay, the, the, here is, uh, he's actually talking about the uh, circumstances of life that are not favorable. They're very painful, and he brings out sometimes, this is not uh, simply an assault from hell, but uh, sometimes this is disciplinary. God allows these things to, uh, in order to uh, change some things on the inside and to deal with our character. Revelations 3, verse 19. Okay. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten or chastise. So God says, because I love you, there, there may be a, a necessary work of uh, discipline. Thirdly, 
is if we are displeasing God, it is possible that we could waste time and effort. In fact, you could waste your life. Think about that biblically. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Okay, this is a deep scripture. This is talking about uh, uh, judgment for uh, believers. That is not to determine whether or not you go to heaven or hell. The Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord uh, immediately. But the Bible says now there is a judgment of our works. And in this case, the Bible says that it's possible that we could build in our lives on the wrong foundation. There, there could be a lot of different areas, but we could be doing good things for God, but it be all about our ego, for instance. That would be one area. Or we have people who are building churches, but it's not on the foundation of correct doctrine or whatever. And so the Bible says this is a frightening possibility. He gives the picture that you have built all of your actions in life, you have been building something, and Jesus says judgment is going to put that to the test because he knows the heart, and it'd be possible that God says, but what you built, it was it was not a correct foundation, and it'd be burnt up. In other words, you wasted your time, you wasted your life. That, that's That's frightening. Again, this is the judgment for a believer. He's not saying you're going to hell. The judgment is that it won't stand the test. It will not be approved by God. It will not be acceptable. So therefore, that person, they waste their time or some people can waste their uh, their entire life. I suppose that would be possible. Fourthly, and we just hit quickly in passing, uh, obviously people who displease God continually over time, the danger for you is that you could uh, wind up destroying yourself. 1 Corinthians 10, 5. But with most of them, God is not well pleased, for their bodies are scattered in the wilderness. Okay, they died in the desert, as, a, as, a, uh, as one translation says. So, obviously a person who displeasing God can begin, it is not a matter that you are going to hell today, but the problem is a person who is in the flesh, their appetites are of the world. They're feeding the flesh. They're resisting God in uh, obedience. They're holding on to anger. Uh, they're filled with pride. It said, the Bible says, if you don't accept the discipline of God or you don't change this, ultimately that can destroy you. And that is the, uh, that is a final outcome. Okay, so you have to understand, and in just a second, we're going to get to pleasing God now, which is actually the whole series is on pleasing, but it doesn't make sense if you're going to please if you don't understand it's possible to displease. Okay, let's open for more comments or questions. Now, Sandy. Yeah, that's a that's a deep subject. So she's saying if you uh, if you if you died displeasing God, would part of the judgment be eternal regret? I don't know. We don't have that that much uh, uh, that much information. So I don't. In other words, I don't. Uh, scripturally, uh, I don't think I'd probably walk around heaven. And go, oh, bummer, man. Oh, bummer for the you know. So I don't think so, but. Uh, uh, you you certainly would not receive re the reward that you should have had. That would be that would be as far as we understand. Okay, Carol. Yeah. So, but that's speculation. 
Yeah, but you're speculating, Carol. Yes, I know. I just said I didn't want to go there. Carol is insisting on going there. Okay. Casey, go ahead. Yeah. That's consequence, yes. So, and and the point again, in in uh, if if we ever do get to the point of of discipline, God will show us what it is. Right? This will not be uh, that you won't know. The whole point of discipline is you understand. Right? When your parents disciplined you, you you understood that there was a problem. It was it was clear to you, Betty. Yep. Okay, so she's talking personal experience of, of uh, holding on to resentment. And uh, God said, if you continue in this, this is going to hurt you. Just out of, out of quite, you know, we can talk about a lot of areas. How many of you here, being honest, how many of you here, there's been a time in your life when you have not been doing the will of God, you knew it, you didn't want to do what God said, or you were doing things you didn't, and the result in your life was frustration. Things were not going well in your spiritual walk, in your life, and you knew it. Anybody here? You'll be, oh, okay. We got some real people here. Okay. And how many of you then fixed that? Oh, good. That's good. Okay. All right. So that's the point. Is this meant to be fixable? All right. Let's, let's go on to our final point. This is pleasing God. Need to get some more scriptures. Uh, somebody want to read? Matt is going to read Second Chronicles 28, verse 3. Uh, Paul, Matthew 3:17, Steve Garfield, John 8:29. Uh, who's that? Rob Kennard, Matthew 12:18, Matt, Hebrews 13:16, uh, Brian, Hebrews 11:5. Uh, who else? Tim Miller, 1 John 3:22, and our final verse, 1 Thessalonians 4:1. Adam is going to read that. Okay. We laid all that foundation. Here is the point, and this is the basis of our series. Yes, God can be displeased, but our series is based on this truth. God can be pleased. And that's what we're going to focus on. Now, other religions and many ancient cult cultures had no understanding of this fact that God can be pleased. Their entire approach in having relationship with the gods is that the gods are always angry, always ticked. And the best that you can do is appease them, right? Is it anything bad in life? It's obvious that uh, uh, the gods are, are mad so that you take some action to appease them so they won't destroy you. Second Chronicles 28 verse 3. Okay, this is an absolute extreme of false religion. Is uh, Sadly, this is an ancient king uh, uh, who should have known better, should have been following God, but it followed the demon gods of the world. Something consumes, and the Bible says, even to the point where they would burn their own children in the fire. That, that's but this ultimate. God is going to be angry. I'll, I'll burn my own flesh and blood. And somehow this will appease him so he won't be mad with me. That's, that's twisted logic. Okay. But the Bible presents the truth of God who can be pleased. It is not true that God is eternally angry and every moment looking to squash people. The Bible says, in fact, that we can please 
God. Let's get a number of scriptures. Matthew uh, 3.17. Lord, a voice from heaven saying, This is my Okay, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I am very happy about this. Uh, and this is beyond positional righteousness. We have acceptance by the fact that you're saved. And you may still have character uh, faults. You are still accepted. But beyond that, you can please God. And this scripture says, I'm well pleased. John 8, verse 29. I do what is pleasing. In other words, there are actions that please God. Uh, Matthew 12, verse 18. Okay, and, and uh, uh, the Bible speaks, I've chosen my servant, I am well uh, uh, pleased. The result is the Spirit is upon him. There's an anointing that's effectiveness. He will declare justice. There'll be an effectiveness uh, in ministry. Hebrews 13, 16. But do good and to communicate, forget not. But with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Okay, that communicate doesn't register correctly in, in uh, our language. It actually, what you see on the screen, don't forget to do good to others and share with them. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about uh, uh, generosity because such sacrifices please God. Generosity pleases God. Hebrews 11.5. He pleased God. Is a man who pleased God. 1 John 3.22. We can do what pleases God. The Bible says the result will be when you pray, God will not be fighting you. He'll say, yes, I want to help you. Okay, so the basis of our study then is we're going to look at the various scriptures in the Bible that talk about please God, pleasing God, please God. And so we're going to find out what is it that pleases God and uh, how is this going to work out in our life. First Thessalonians 4.1, Adam. Finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort and Lord Okay, so the, very simply, he writes, he says, I've told you before, uh, I've explained to you how to please God. This is not an unattainable quest. It's not mysterious how you're never going to know, is God pleased, is he not pleased? The Bible says, is we can know. That's going to be the basis of our, our study, is looking at the scriptures where God teaches us how we can please him. Okay, we'll be dismissed there. Service will start at 1030. God bless you.